So what killed Echo? Folks back at the beach call it the monster. I don't really have a name for it. You don't believe in monsters. I believe in what I can see. But obviously you have. So why don't you tell me what you think it is? Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 306, entitled I Do. This is the 55th hour of the series, and there are 66 to go. A quick note, uh, I'm certainly way behind in uh, answering some emails that are in the inbox. Uh, Long-time listeners will know that I have... uh, you know, I was a fan of the Lost Casts podcast and uh, uh, was always interested in the experience of uh, doing, uh, you know, I don't want to say a weekly podcast because, of course, looking back at Lost releases each week, but uh, doing a show kind of in response to a weekly television show. And uh, having been doing that these past, uh, oh, nine or ten weeks with uh, the Alcatraz podcast by phgeek.com, it's, uh, it certainly has been an interesting experience, although one that... Uh, in a certain sense, it's almost more time-consuming than looking back at Lost, uh, because it is kind of on a schedule. Whereas uh, oftentimes, with looking back at Lost, I'll uh, you know I'll do my one a week, but it's this kind of casual you know watch the episode when I want to, record when I want to. But uh, so if you've sent me an email in the last uh, five six weeks, I do apologize, uh, and I'll certainly be getting caught up on those soon. So enough with that, let's now jump into the Wikipedia summary for this episode, 106, I Do. In flashbacks, while on the run from the law, Kate goes to Miami, where, under the name Monica, she meets and gets engaged to a police officer, Kevin Callis. Before their wedding, Kevin's mother, Suzanne, gives Kate a locket that had been passed down on the female side of the family for many years. A while after the ceremony, Kate calls Marshall Mars... She does not want to run anymore and pleads for him to stop chasing her. Mars guesses that Kate has got involved with a man and tells her that if Kate can really stay put and settle down, he will stop chasing her. But they both know that that is unlikely. Later, Kate shows signs of relief after getting a negative pregnancy test and decides to reveal the truth about her life to her husband. She drugs Kevin, places her mother-in-law's locket in his hands, and leaves. On the island... We start on the main island, where Locke tells Nikki, Paolo, Saeed, and Desmond that Mr. Echo was killed by an animal and decides to bury Echo where he died, as he thinks the other castaways have seen too many funerals recently. As Locke goes to the beach to get shovels, Saeed follows him and asks what really killed Echo. Locke says that the survivors call it the monster, and further speculates that it may be what brought them there, and that Echo died for a reason. After the burial, Locke sees a message on Echo's stick, Lift up your eyes and look north, John 305. On Hydra Island, Jack checks Ben's x-rays and medical file and tells Ben that the tumor in his spine will become inoperable in a week. Jack adds that he is not going to operate on Ben because he does not trust the other's promise of freeing him, Kate, and Sawyer. Elsewhere, after the quarry where Kate and Sawyer are working suffers an invasion by Alex, who demands to know where her boyfriend Carl is, Juliet brings Kate to talk to Jack, 
telling her that it is the only way to prevent Danny Pickett from killing Sawyer. When Jack and Kate see each other, Kate asks him to operate on Ben to prevent Sawyer from getting killed, but Jack gets angry and refuses. After returning to her cage, Kate and Sawyer have an argument, and she climbs out of her cage and enters Sawyer's. Sawyer then tells her that they cannot run because they are on another island, something he did not want to tell her, because I wanted you to believe we had a damn chance. Kate and Sawyer then are intimate, unknowingly in full view of the cameras. At the Hydra station, Jack finds his door unlocked and unguarded, and outside reaches a surveillance room, where he sees Kate and Sawyer cuddling together. Ben appears behind him, and after a brief exchange, Jack decides to do the surgery, but wants Ben to keep his promise to get Jack off the island. As Juliet anesthetizes Ben and Jack begins the operation, Pickett goes with another man to Sawyer's cage. Kate and Sawyer attempt to fight, but Pickett's companion overpowers Kate and holds her at gunpoint, leading Sawyer to surrender. Meanwhile, Jack sabotages the operation by cutting Ben's kidney sack and demands that Tom let him speak with Kate. Before Pickett can shoot Sawyer, Tom calls over the walkie-talkie. As Pickett gives the walkie-talkie to Kate, Jack tells her that she has an hour's head start and directs her to call him on the radio when she is safe. And now with that, let's get into my thoughts about the episode. This certainly was, uh, it was an interesting episode to watch. I think much of it I didn't like. I think there are great portions of it that, uh, I mean, suffer from this. You know, the episode certainly was looked at as uh, a mid-season, not that it's the middle, but, you know, a a mid-season of sorts. Uh, finale, which I guess put a bit more grammatically correct, the the episode was viewed by all involved as something like a mid-season finale. Um, in that regard, I feel like there's a lot of wrapping up that goes on. Um, you know, not not enough beach time, if if not zero beach time, and um, I think just some some lines as we'll talk through it. Some lines that are just I think poorly written, but. Anyhow, let's jump into the episode proper here. It's a sweet, mysterious opening, uh, uh, which, of course, ends up being in flashback. uh, We, of course, see a a cheery brunette who uh, naturally is our multi-layered Kate off-island. That's the revelation that we're uh, in flashback. The real surprise, at least to me and uh, fans of the television show Firefly, is that the cop banging on her door is Captain Tightpants himself, Nathan Fillion, who I think the the character's name is Kevin, but I'll, I'll be constantly calling him Captain Mal or Captain Tightpants in uh, in honor of that great show. Um, obviously, too, there's meant to be an ironic moment of uh, you know this notion of there's a, a cop banging on her door, and surprise, surprise, it's a cop who uh, knows who she is, or at least he thinks he knows who she is. With that, we qu- quickly cut to bait uh, to bait. We quickly cut to Kate, waking up in her bear cage, and Sawyer just throwing rocks for the heck of it. Um, I think the function of that scene is just to remind us where they are. There's there's lots in this episode that I think just functions to somehow re-communicate information. Um, I don't know if it's a reflection. I, I don't know what it's a reflection of, but there's tons of stuff here where it's like, okay, we know this. Let's keep it moving. Coincidentally... We cut to uh, Jack inspecting Ben's x-rays, where things are so bad that Borderline becomes 
the surgery should have been yesterday, and it's not even going to be borderline in a week. So certainly, uh, you know, tension there, the writer's tension pushing us to, uh, to have the surgery done soon. I think first-time viewers could expect that it'll, it'll be in this episode. Then at that point, Jack the Jerk returns, but as he has been for a while, it's fighting on the side of good. Whatever you need, it's yours. I'm ready. <laughs> no, I think you misunderstood me. I didn't say I was going to do it. I just wanted you to understand how you're going to die. <laughs> you think I believe you people? You think I trust you that I'm going to just do the surgery and hope that you let me go? Jack! At this point, Henry is rather motionless. How do you get someone to do something that they absolutely refuse to do? Well, Jack, I'm very disappointed in your decision. Well, then, at least you won't have to be disappointed for very long. Not a bad way to take us into the title card. That's Jack the Jerk, as I said, fighting for the powers of good there. (laughs) Whatever uh, weaknesses this script might have, there's some fantastic Jack stuff here. And that's, you know, it starts with great Jack stuff and it ends with great Jack stuff. It's just kind of the, the bit in the middle. Anyhow, as I said, we're taken to the title card. And then uh, afterwards we return in flashback, post-coitus, with Kate and Captain Mal, uh, whose uh, dialogue reveals that they're getting married in about 12 hours, despite Officer Kevin, who's his real character name, uh, having only recently felt real love with Monica. Surprise, surprise, it's Kate living a fake life. Um, and, you know, I think, too, it's it's a bit of a return, and this should be no surprise, it's a bit of a return to... Kate in flashback being somebody who we don't like um you know the, the regardless of whether you know Nathan Fillion from other work or not he presents such an honest hardworking, happy uh, man in this episode that for Kate to have been manipulating him the whole time you dislike her all the more for it this reveal of you know, her living under an assumed name and in an, uh, in an assumed identity. It just, you know, it's yet another thing that we don't like from Kate. So it's, you know, I mean, it's kind of nothing new. I know that her, her uh, flashbacks have been doing that for a while now, but it's just kind of, you know, more of the same, which perhaps leads to some of the malaise in this episode of it doesn't feel particularly new. And then there's going to be tons of dialogue that we talk about where it's the same stuff that we're hearing over and over but back to the bear cages we have a curious scene Pickett comes to get only kate for work saying day uh, sawyer has the day off kate refuses to work in her dialogue she nicely reminds us that they're a team he breaks the rocks and she hauls them uh and Pickett gives in sarcastically saying that he liked to uh, he'd hate to break up the team so what is the purpose of that scene? Just to remind us what's what, the job that they do, that Pickett is their guard, not always nice. You know, what's the function? I don't know. 
Anyhow, with that, the story moves to Dead Echo being covered by a blanket and Locke lying to the group as to what killed him. He and Saeed go back to the beach for shovels and have a mysterious conversation about what killed Echo. It certainly feels weighty, but it actually is just exposition. There's not any kind of actual substance to their to their uh, discussion. They just review that some call it the smoke monster. Uh, second, that perhaps that was what brought them there. Uh, the scene ends with Locke saying that they are indeed going to the beach after a quick detour. Dun, dun, dun. With that, we're back on Hydra Island at the runway that we aren't told is a runway. Um, which I think, uh, does the Wikipedia entry refer to as a quarry or something? Or maybe that was uh, the word used in, in a different sense. But anyhow, um, so back at the runway, the future runway, Jacob's runway. Uh, gun-toting guards are interrupted by Alex with a slingshot. It does feel vaguely contrived, her holding a rock on a big rubber band. Uh, her holdup, to be fair, it doesn't last long. She gets knocked from behind and dragged off, but not before sharing some exposition. Don't believe them! They're going to kill your boyfriend just like they killed mine! Unsurprisingly, they end the act with uh, such a revelation, but it just still feels, as I said, kind of vaguely contrived. Um, her presence there is just to heighten the tension of, the you know, Pickett wants to kill Sawyer. Well, guess what? We've been seeing that for an episode or two now. That's not new. You know, it's almost as though... Like, I don't know what they were thinking when they wrote this episode. Because if this was an episode that was after the 13-week hiatus that the show took, then you could kind of excuse some of it because you're, you know, it's, it's new viewers or it's been a while since people have watched. But, you know, people now have been watching for six straight weeks. And there's a ton of stuff in here where it's like, I know this. This isn't, you know, some reminder of, fine, let's say the smoke monster. Oh, you haven't, you, you know... Uh, you started watching in season three. You want to be welcoming to new viewers. This big cloud comes along and, you know, kills the priest guy. Fine. You want to have some dialogue there. They call it the smoke monster. Maybe it's what brought us here. All right. It's a little tiresome, but at least it is being welcoming to new viewers. With this, this is stuff from, you know, the last couple of weeks. Uh, there have been no breaks. It's, are they speaking down or, you know, speaking down to the audience? Are they, I, I don't know. I don't know what the discussions were behind the scenes, but, you know, there, there are problems in this episode. But anyhow, um, after the act break, we'll get back here. After the act break, uh, Juliet convinces Kate to put a bag over her head so that Pickett won't kill Sawyer. And that's kind of how it's presented. You need to do this so that over there doesn't happen because I, Juliet, can see that they're connected, but I'm not going to explain it to you right now. It feels needlessly confusing and messy. With bag on head, uh, we flash back to Kate, the blushing bride, looking, I have to say, truly, truly stunning, to be fair. Um, perhaps there's a little bit of spray-on tan going there. I mean, she is hanging out in... Um, Miami, so I'm not saying it's necessarily a makeup, uh, oh, you know, error. I'm not saying that the makeup department dropped the ball here. Maybe they're just trying to mimic the tan that she would have. 
uh, although running around in Hawaii all day, she probably had, you know, had a perfectly fine tan. But anyhow, to me, it's just kind of the way her tan looked, not to give, you know, <laughs> a minute of tan analysis here. But the way her tan looked, it looked as though somebody was really trying to look just right on that big day. But anyhow, at that point, irony reigns. Kate's future mother-in-law says that the, the church is filled with tons of policemen. You know, it's Officer Kevin's co-workers. Um, obviously here we have Kate not running, and uh, here she is nearly surrounded. Suzanne, the future mother-in-law, has us continue to mislike Kate. Suzanne gives Kate a locket intended for her daughter, if she ever had a daughter. But you know what? Kate is like a member of the family and all this. With that, we cut to the wedding ceremony, where the priest recounts how Monica, a.k.a. Kate, uh, how with her, what you see is what you get. Hardy har har. You know, they're just, it's irony on top of irony. Do you think there's a reason why we don't uh, often remember the Sawyer in prison uh, with the accountant flashback story that we, you know, we might remember this story for uh, the presence of Nathan Fillion, but not that Kate almost got married to a cop. This stuff doesn't stick because it's not that great, at least the flashbacks. Luckily, though, the flashback is over and baghead Kate is taken to see Jack in a scene that's all about and it's kind of well done, very well done. It's all about smiles and their inability to touch through the glass of his cell. Here they haven't seen each other in in quite some time. Um, and I think it's supposed to be heartfelt. And the emotions sell it as heartfelt. But what's the dialogue? The function is just a recap of sorts. We are in the cages. They make us work. We are okay. Uh, get one tidbit that the thing that they are working on is big, whatever it is. There's also a really, really nice visual element that when close-ups are shown, and I specifically mean you know a close-up as in a headshot, not a two-shot where you see two people, when, when there is a close-up of one actor or the other, uh, the other person's face is reflected on top of their face by, by virtue of this uh, plexiglass wall separating them. So it's really a nice, um, it, it, it's nice because you get to see both faces uh, in the one person's face, if you will. Uh, moving on, when Kate says that Jack must do the operation, otherwise Sawyer will be killed. She's at this point getting all weepy and she's in the moment uh, of what she's been told. Jack, however, reliably uh, unemotional. He puts it all together, the whole thing. Kate and Sawyer brought to Hydra Island only to be leveraged for Jack. This was the plan the whole time. It's continuing a, a, a common thread here that you know Jack's bitter anger, as he indeed does turn bitter at this point, uh, it is once again something that places him on our side. We now can see the edges here, that they were brought to be pawns to make this, uh, this surgeon operate on Ben. And Jack can see it. He doesn't like it. We don't like it because we care for these characters as more than cannon fodder, which I think Ben is, you know, more than prepared to offer them up as. And indeed, this is even further hammered home when we see Ben watching. Watching as the whole plan falls apart and Jack's willingness to operate turns to anger. With that, we head to an act break and uh, flashback Kate is happily talking to Hubby about taco night. 
All this lovey-dovey stuff is interrupted by Kate running to a phone booth to check in with the marshal. She sets a timer to possibly prevent her being tracked, even though that's, I'm sure that's not how it works. I mean, when you get caller ID on your phone, it just comes up right away, right? And if you're the phone company, you can say, well, where is that phone? It's a, you know, it, it, it is as simple as that. It's a, it's a uh, contrived thing in TV and movies that it's, you know, we have it narrowed down to the East Coast. We have it narrowed down to New York. We have it n- narrowed down to Brooklyn. It's, you know, oh, no, they hung up. You know, and then the screen goes, eh, eh, eh. all this is contrived and it's contrived here. But at least, you know, at least it's a well, uh, well-recognized, you know, visual convention. But anyhow, the, the marshal offers her a chance to stop being chased uh, if she'll stop running. And the scene is punctuated with him saying that uh, it isn't going to happen. Uh, of course, he has little faith in her to to not run. Um, and there's kind of this succession of things which which make for a neat visual, literary, directorial, editorial moment here. He says it's not going to happen. The alarm rings. She hangs up. And then the thunder rings out. And that thunder, of course, is a pathetic fallacy. It is nature uh, reflecting the emotion of the moment and foreshadowing you know the coming storm, which is the uh, you know the, the the breaking off of her relationship that Kate, aka Monica, does. Back at the bear cages, the story is again feeling mucky. Uh, Kate's return to her cell with no real dialogue. Uh, Sawyer's return to his with Pickett saying, "You got anything to say to your girl? You best do it tonight." Again, the whole thing just feels. I mean, you know, it's not forced. I think mucky, you know, is a good word. It just feels like we're going through the going through the the rigmarole here of, you know, create tension, 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 tension. But anyhow, at that point, the story moves on to a funeral for a friend. Your prayer stick fell out of a tree right on top of me. So Saeed and I went out to get it because it didn't feel right to bury you without it. I'd like to think you died for a reason, Mr. Echo. Just hope it's not too long before we find out what the heck it might be. At this point, I love the visual of the sun streaming down. Those god rays reminding us of Echo's heaven. Rest in peace. Mr. Echo, thank you for helping me find my... At this point, the screen then shows Locke's revelation. Get it, Bible revelation? As he sees the quote on Echo's Jesus stick. Lift up your eyes to the north. Once again, it feels like it wants to be bone-chilling, but... And perhaps this is something in common you know, that, that that every uh, you know, first third of a season of Lost has uh, in common with each other season. But it just kind of feels like, ugh, another mystery. Did Echo put some message on the Jesus stick to communicate to Echo, uh, to communicate to Locke, to lift up his eyes to the north? And you know, it's kind of like, oh, something else to add. That's that's how it feels. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Um, maybe that's not your opinion, but how, how I felt back in, uh, 2006 and how I, how I felt watching this again just recently. 
So with that, uh, it's back to the bear cages. Kate recaps lots and lots of stuff we already know. Ben is sick. Henry is Ben. Surgery is needed. The dialogue then, at this point, moves towards the truly trite. And you and me are what? Fate? Something like that. (laughs) At least the doc ain't dumb enough to do it. I told him he had to. Why the hell would you do something so stupid? To save your life. My life don't need saving. You want to die? Because that's what's going to happen. Ugh. Pickett is just waiting for his chance. I've seen him look at you. Damn it, Freckles, stay put. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> it's awful dialogue. I'm sorry, Lost. I love you. But it's not good dialogue there. It's just, I mean, you know, the... the not good, not good. And then after that, though, there's even more recap. They're on another island, down to it being down like Alcatraz, which is what we said two episodes ago when Sawyer got shown that. Sawyer saying, I want you to believe we had a damn chance. They then, at this point, knock boots, which has been the stuff of fan hope and anticipation. It does, however, come off as sort of desperate, particularly on Kate's end. Um, she's falling into the arms of another man in a time of need again. At least, though, Giacchino plays the scene well. After the act break, homespun Monica, a.k.a. Kate, has made breakfast for Officer Mal, who, dialogue magically tells us, is finally giving her a honeymoon after six months. Do you get it at home? They've been married for six months. Because they're saying six months. We're supposed to see at this point how conflicted she is, but how appreciative she is. I wonder if the thought that of her actually taking a honeymoon is what's conflicting her. I suspect it is you know, being a fake identity person, whatnot. The look on her face at the end of the flashback uh, suggests that as well. She's trapped and disgusted because if he wants a honeymoon, then it's time for her to run again, lest she end up in the custody of airport police. Post-flashback and post-coitus, Sawyer's all aglow and says he loves Kate too. It's all sweetness and light. Cut to Jack being awoken by the static of the speaker box, the one that we're never sure works. Though this time, Alex's voice tells him, and she's telling him, or speaks to him, and she's telling him to try the door. Jack suddenly is out and is wandering in what we know is a watery prison. He makes his way to Ben's monitor bank, just missing on screen number two, the lovey-dovey Sawyer and Kate. Then after getting a gun, he sees it. Wide's Just the camera angle we just had in the previous scene, down to what appears to be the camera watching from Kate's cell. I think that they miss, or maybe not misuse, I think that they incorrectly used footage from Kate's cell, which would have been appropriate in in a normal kind of dramatic sense, uh, looking across the Sawyer cell. I think they reused that for the monitor uh, bank footage, and, uh, well, it just... It doesn't quite look like a security camera. But anyhow, at this point, Ben walks in delivering gold. If it helps, I was surprised too. 
If I were a betting man, I would have picked her and you. Shut up. After that, Jack is suddenly ready to operate on Ben's tumor. Good thing, too, because we have 10 minutes to go until the winter break of 2006. You know, it's kind of... I mean, I'm being slightly facetious here. It's not, It's not. Uh, oh, incorrectly or poorly or sloppily plotted. It's just this notion of if you're watching the clock at home, you have 10 minutes left and, you know, Lost is going away until February and it's October, November, something like that. Of course, something big is going to happen. Of course, this surgery that we've been dancing around for six episodes, five and a half episodes is going to happen. Uh, with that, the scene ends with more trite dialogue, making us going back to second-guessing the show. I need what you promised me before. I need to get the hell off this island. The music does get fun here, though. Done. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun little moment that Giacchino does there. I'll grant you that. The fact that we are heading towards some sort of resolution on... Again, to be fair, something that we've been wondering about for for quite some time, this Henry Gale mystery, uh, you know, why was he out there? That's, you know, it's been answered. Now it's going to be fully addressed, or at least uh, it'll, in proper loss fashion. It's not like they're going to start the surgery and end it in this episode, but we're finally going to get to the thing that it was all about. And I guess uh, Giacchino is picking up on that. It's, you know, it's an interesting game that the show plays with season three. It it feels kind of tiresome to be playing chess with the show at this point. Get off this island, but it's not the island Jack thinks it is. So if he's let off Hydra Island, which will complete Ben's word, but imprisoned again on the main island, you know, ah, what, you know, it's a frustrating, frustrating uh, stretch of episodes here, despite them you know, these first six certainly have been better than I remembered. Um, perhaps it's the next, you know, some of the next four ahead of us down to Jack's tattoo that uh, that will vex me truly. But anyhow, after the act break, flashback Kate is not pregnant and appears to be, I think she was not happy about it. Now, the Wikipedia summary, which, you know, frequently is imperfect, said that she was relieved. Here's my take. If she was pregnant, that would have been the perfect way to not go to Costa Rica on that honeymoon. That would have been the perfect reason to stay put. But she doesn't even have that. Then at that point, Kate goes and spills the beans to Kevin, being on the run, being a fugitive, not being Monica. Oh, Kate, it's Captain Mal from Firefly. How could you hurt him? And then she hurts him more. He's drank her uh, lemonade, which she has drugged. He hits the floor, and Kate weeps a good deal, returning her mother-in-law's daughter locket. Oh, Kate, ruining everything, must you? Flashback ends with uh, Jack and Juliet scrubbing in for Ben's big surgery. Ben's big day. Jack's dialogue is ambiguous uh, for Juliet to do as he says. I mean, side note, the fact that he's ordering a woman around, hey, must be a day that ends in Y for Jack. Um, but anyhow, is this dialogue, do as I say, is that to kill Ben, which was the plan Juliet had proposed, or is that to save him, the plan that Ben had proposed and would come with uh, Kate, Jack, and Sawyer being released? 
At this point, there's a great little shot of Ben lowering his head onto that head holder thing that, you know, if you've seen the episode, you know. Uh, if you haven't, what are you doing? Go watch that first. But, um, you know, it's kind of when you do these um, surgeries with your back up and your face down that, you know, there's kind of this space a la a massage chair so that your face isn't being uh, crushed. But it's just a nice little thing. We see him looking through that and he lowers his face down and it's his, he's lowered his face towards us. With this, the surgery begins and... To be fair, despite all the other faults of this episode, I really think the first-time viewers really wonder what Jack will do. There really is, I was going to say the universe of possibilities. There's really only two. He kills Ben. He saves Ben. But it is 50-50. You know, the, the show's done a great job hiding uh, Jack's intentions. In fact, speaking of what someone is doing... Ben's just gone into surgery. Ben just put his life in the hands of one of them. Shepard wasn't even on Jacob's list. Sawyer. Well, well, Sawyer. well. Look at you got out of her cage. You two should have run when you had the chance. Let's go, James. Don't. Please, you don't have to do this. He's coming with me. There's nothing you can do about it. Step away. Jacob, list, picket ready to kill Sawyer. Dramatic tension. Mysteries are abounding here. There's... You know, we've heard of lists before, but who's this Jacob? That's not Ben. What's going on? As you heard there at the end of the clip, we, you know, the there's the the beep of the heartbeat monitor. We return back to uh, to Ben's uh, surgery. The tension increases as Jack's hand wavers, and here he is about to make a decision. What happened? Is he okay? His blood pressure's dropping. Should he be bleeding like that? No. No, he shouldn't. Back away from the table. Jack. Back away from the table! Now! Can you hear me in there? Yeah. Good. Just made a small incision in Ben's kidney sack. Now, if I don't stitch that back up in the next hour, he's dead. Now get in here and bring that walkie-talkie. I think at this point we certainly can sense what's next, uh, particularly as we return to Sawyer's fight. Uh, and you know, I don't even mean that as a as a criticism of the episode. Um, the fact that. You know, I mean, look, not for nothing, we don't really expect that they're going to kill Sawyer. Uh, and the fact that Jack now has taken control of the situation in the operating room to some degree, uh, you know, we can kind of put two and two together. And certainly the show doesn't belabor it much. Um, the flip side is, you know, it within kind of the, uh, you know, if we're not playing along at home, within the, within the, the, the show's own reality, it really does appear that Pickett is about to shoot Sawyer. And the scene really does sell it, you know, to be sure. No! 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 This is for Colleen! You son of a bitch! And then right here, I mean, Giacchino sells it. 
course, fate, or, or is it luck, intervenes. And uh, naturally, that walkie-talkie is handed over to Kate as we have the, the closing moments of, uh, whether you want to call it season 2.5, as the producers have called it, or uh, at any rate, this uh, six-episode arc that, uh, that gets season three started. Let's go! ending despite whatever faults of this episode an uneven episode an overly talking and uh, explaining episode despite whatever faults of not spending enough time at the beach not spending enough time with uh uh with desmond and his mystery not properly introducing nikki and paolo the untimely death of echo uh you know at the request of the actor etc 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 despite all those faults that's a great ending. And the fact that Jack is calling back to that story that we heard at this point two years previous in our time and for them 50, 60 odd days earlier, um, a story that we, of course, must remember well, especially if you've been watching reruns, if you've been uh, seeing the, uh, um, you know, buying the DVDs, etc. It's 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 a good ending. It's an ending that certainly has me excited to uh well, to be back here next week to do the next episode, but of course, uh we aren't done here yet. Let's look ahead to Lostpedia. In um the stuff for this episode was either extremely trite, like this is the first mention of Jacob. Yeah, no kidding, it's the first mention of Jacob, but fine. Uh or there's stuff like um, you know, the gun that Jack takes from the gun locker is a Walther P-38, which is like, who cares? It's it's not even like you're saying NP-38s don't work well underwater, because guess what? He never fires the gun. He, you know, whatever. But so here's, aside from those two random ones that I happen to remember, here's the two that I actually wrote down. And one of them is Jacob's name is mentioned for the first time. There you go. Important show prep. Anyhow, here's the other one, which... I don't know why I put this one. It's, it's equally silly, but, you know, you do what you can do. During Ben's surgery, Jack asks for a hemostat. He's actually handed a Carmalt. A hemostat is much smaller. So there you go. There's the visit to Lostpedia. And, um, you know, this, this um, 
This was an interesting episode. Wasn't jazzed by it, despite its high points. Uh, I'm glad to be through these first six episodes, which I, I wasn't crazy about. Um, it's, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not taking any sort of break the way the show went on hiatus, but it, it'll be interesting to kind of, you know, mentally take that pause and then uh, pick it up next week. Uh, in two weeks' time, I believe it is, is Flashes Before Your Eyes. Uh, in three weeks' time is, uh, I'm pretty sure, is the, uh, oh, the awful tattoo episode. And um, after that, things start to click forward. You know, this is this is the season that ends with, we have to go back, Kate, we have to go back. This is the season that ends with, uh, you know, just... Uh, uh, not you know not the the introduction of the freighter people of course but kind of the there being a boat out there and um it's kind of well to be fair let's see let's what we're at episode this is the 55th episode i mean it's a it's at some point this season let me do my math here it's in about five episodes it's five episodes will be at six yeah it's in you know we're it's in five or six episodes that we are at the halfway point of the series we're at the halfway point of this podcast project, and um, it's kind of that, that's an astonishing milestone in and of itself. So, at any rate, let's uh, stop looking ahead to fifteen weeks from now to five weeks from now. Let's look ahead truly to next week. Next week will be episode three hundred seven, entitled "Not in Portland." So, something to look forward to. A reminder, of course, that uh, new episodes launch to the website iTunes and the Lost Podcasting Network on Fridays, and uh, that's a good bit of timing too because this particular episode uh, I am uh, doing rather last minute, so it's going to be, oh, appearing online in about eight hours, so there you go. Uh, you can send feedback to uh, me on Twitter where I'm looking back lost. You can call the Google Voice number, 732-707-1815. For the, uh, the listener line there, you can send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com or leave comments at lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. Last but not least, I'll mention we're having tons of fun over at the Alcatraz podcast by phgeek.com, uh, which is alcatraz.podbean.com and on iTunes. And uh, that show could certainly use your viewership in its last four episodes and three weeks that it'll be on. So you can check that out, too. Unless, of course, you're listening to this at some point after it's already aired, and then, hello, people in the future. All is well here in the past. Which I suppose is uh, as fitting a Lostian way to end this podcast as any. So, thank you everyone for listening. Take care, and I'll see you all again next week for 307, Not in Portland. Bye-bye, everybody.